0: All right, welcome to White Oak Christian Church. My name is Richie Jackson. It is always great to be back here at our uh, Coleraine campus. If we've not met before, that's my introduction, All right, So uh, let's get started. Um, let me just tell you that uh, I was thinking about this in preparation for um, talking to you guys this morning about when Melissa and I, uh, we spent most of our time out at the uh, Ross campus. Um, but when we first started coming to White Oak Christian Church, we sat like right back here. Um, And uh, we we did everything we could to kind of just be invisible in those years um, because it was just really comfortable for us to kind of get in here and get what we needed and then kind of get out. But uh, it's uh, just funny all these years later, you kind of look back there and you're like, I used to sit there. But uh, anyway, let me just uh, lift up a, a quick prayer and uh, invite Jesus to get into this conversation with us today, and then we'll get started. Lord, we, uh, we, just, we just ask you, Father, that you would just um, come into this room, uh, pray, Lord, that you would just uh, fill my words with your spirit, and uh, that we would be uh, willing to, to, to hear a con- uh, with convicted hearts just something that, uh, that we need to hear for our lives and uh, for your mission. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. All um, right. So let's see here, Uh, tomorrow is Labor Day, which is a celebration of work, which is great because we're all going to celebrate it by not working, that's right, you're not going to work, Brian, not going to go to work tomorrow, all right? Um, Hey, so I I was thinking about like this whole Labor Day thing and I was like, how did that come into existence? It actually dates back to the 1880s. Um, It goes all the way back to the 1880s. Um, It was a celebration of work for our country to just say, hey, you know, the principles of work that was building this country up, you know, how do we recognize that? Um, And you can go to the Department of Labor's website, and you will find uh, this this paperwork here. At the end of it, I'm going to read this little passage. It I think is the reason why I'm speaking with you here today. And it, it, it finishes up with this. It says, Still later, by a resolution of the American Federation of Labor Convention of 1909, The Sunday preceding Labor Day was adopted as Labor Sunday and dedicated to the spiritual and educational aspects of the labor movement. Guys, that's why I'm speaking with you here today, because I think there's something spiritual to the work that we do and the opportunities that exist on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I'm excited to have this conversation with you because, you know, I think there's a tremendous opportunity. Now, I want to tell you that for anyone here today that is going to try to claim retiree status, not going to work. You are not allowed to claim home, uh, homemaker status, stay-at-home mom status. The, the, this message is for every single one of us and has everything to do with what you do mattering. Your contribution matters when you leave this place this morning. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It matters to God. It matters to God what you guys do. Would you guys be willing to just say this with me? If I'm doing it, it matters to God. All right, let's just say that together. If I'm doing it, it matters to God. It matters. Your contributions at work matter. Your coaching contributions matter. Your volunteer time, they matter. And the awareness of the fact that they actually matter is incredibly valued to the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. And I think one of the things we need to do is we need to rid ourselves of this idea and mindset that ministry is just for ministers. Unfortunately, it's where we're at. But check this out. I believe in America that mindset is literally suffocating the spiritual Christian, and I mean literally. I, you know, a lot of people use the word literal and they don't know what it means. I believe people are their faith life is suffocating because they don't have any spiritual oxygen. They're on ventilators trying to find the breath. And that spiritual oxygen is purpose. It is purpose. Because too many of us don't understand the opportunities that exist that we have been asked to steward. We've been fooled into believing that ministry is just for ministers. That ends today. You could choose today. Today you can choose because we're going to put this conversation right in front of you and you're going to have to decide for yourself. You can try to pretend like you're going to fall asleep here and you didn't hear anything. I promise you I'm going to get loud enough that it will be very difficult for you to sleep. You can try to put your head in the sand, okay, and, and act like you didn't hear this because you don't want to hear what I'm going to have to say. But I'm telling you, it is a much better strategy for you if you say, you know what? I'm going to listen to some holy conviction right now. And I'm going to see if God's going to put a holy purpose inside of me with this conversation. So I would encourage you to just say that today's the day. Today's the day that I will say, I am a missionary for Jesus. That's the big idea. That's the big idea for Today. Joining, becoming a co-laborer in this movement of Jesus followers that say, I have a role to play, and I will play. You see, every one of you can choose to be a missionary. Every one of us can choose that. Some of us will go to Hades. Some of us will go to India. Most of us will end up in a cubicle on the job site in a classroom behind a desk. That's where you may end up on Tuesday. But every one of us can claim the status of a missionary. A missionary. I think two things are happening in the, in, the, in the American church. Two things are happening in the American church. One thing that is happening is that many local churches are not looking within themselves to find marketplace-minded people to play roles, okay? Many churches kind of think that there is a, 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 a reserved spot for people that are on staff, and then when they're on staff, they play that role, and unfortunately... It's happening all over the place. I would love to celebrate White Oak. I am not on staff here. Chris Emmons is speaking out at a Ross campus right now. Okay, he's coming at it from a marketplace perspective as well. White Oak is different in that regards. Thank goodness, it just gives a different flavor. It allows us to see that you know that, that people like Richie exist. People like all of you. Most of you that aren't receiving a paycheck from white, you guys exist and you guys are ready. I believe, can I just tell you something? I believe right now I am looking at a treasure chest of spiritual gifts. A treasure chest that our community is waiting to dig in and find people like you to be valuable to them. Second thing that I think is happening is that many of us, and again, now I'm speaking to the people that aren't receiving a paycheck from White Oak or some other church, I believe many of us have contributed to this barrier that is between the secular and sacred worlds. And we've done it by just saying, that's not my job. That's not my role. That person gets paid to do that. And what we do is we volley that spiritual opportunity back across the net into this building, expecting that the people that are paid to do it are going to steward the things that God put in your life, in my life. And it's burdensome. It's detrimental to everyone involved, and it's absolutely not biblical. Absolutely not biblical. The first consequence of this, I believe, happens to our ministry folks. People in ministry, they have given their lives, their work, they've given their everything. These are the most sold-out people you will ever meet. And guess what? The weight of the world lands on them and some of it shouldn't because some of it is stuff that we should be bearing. Just like you can't earn God's grace, just like you can't earn his grace, you can't can't work hard enough in the pursuit of his mission. You just can't because the burnout eventually hits them. And a lot of us have no clue because it's happening under the surface of what's happening out there in our lives. There's more non-staff people here today than there are staff people, thankfully. The second way that's detrimental is because as we volley those opportunities back to people that are paid to do it, we, we don't step in to the opportunity. We forget about our holy purpose, and apathy begins to set in. Apathy begins to set in. I think American Christians right now, okay, I'm just going to say this. They've got dull faith lives. They've got dull faith lives because they're looking for purpose and they don't realize that every time they throw the ball back inside these walls, okay, they're missing a chance to sharpen. They're missing it. They've got dull faith lives. I'd be willing to bet that many people that are hearing my words right now in the last I would say no more than a month, but po- no probably a year at the most, you had somebody pop into your head and you said, "Man, I just oh, if, if, if Tina could have just come to our life group, this content was so good." We, she, she would have loved it, you know, or you know what, if Bill just could have heard Kevin's message last week, like Kevin's message was so right on for like what Bill's going through right now. If if, if George only knew that Jesus loved him in such a way that he was so perfectly unique and he was a masterpiece in, in God's eyes and that, and that George really was just a child of God like me. I just wish he would, if I could just get him to church to hear that, And I'm just like, man, that is terribly It's it's the absolute opposite of opportunistic. We're waiting for somebody else to do what God asked us to steward and look after. We are outsourcing his spiritual opportunities in our lives to do it, whatever it is. It is a very vague thing, but it is your it, and you can do it. And it's not really important how we got to this place. What is important, though, is that we do something different when we leave here. Get better at this thing when we leave here. And I think we need to have a paradigm shift. We have to change things. We need to see things with refreshed eyes. We've got we've to rethink how we're going to go about this mission that we're on. Where it's going to take place. Who's going to be a part of it. How we're going to go about it. When's the last time that you said... Where's my mission field? You guys realize that, like, White Oak has a mission statement, but, like, you have mission fields. Like, you're, you don't get to just adopt White Oak's mission field. You can, you can co labor into it, but you have a mission field. When's the last time you said, Where's my mission field? Who's on that? Have you asked yourself that question? If you haven't, ask yourself it right now. Ask it again tonight. You got the day off tomorrow. Ask yourself it again tomorrow. Where is my mission field? Because ministry is not confined in these walls. But don't be surprised if God reveals to you that your mission field is right in front of you. It's right in front of you. You see, Jesus wants to use you right where you are. Right where you are. Some of you are going to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't have the personality. I can't, I can't, I can't. And I'm telling you right now, those are words from Satan. They're lies. He is the king of camp. But we are here today to lift up the king of yes, you can. Jesus is the king of yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do those things. And the reason I know you can do it is because the Bible says so. And if I look into Acts chapter 3, I'm going to start this story with Acts chapter 3. We're going to find Peter and John wandering through the streets. And a, and a crippled man says, hey guys, you got any money for me? Peter looks down at him. I got no silver, I got no gold, but I'll give you what I got. You know what he says? He says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And as the guy's doing burpees and you know, jumping jacks and everybody else is around there, Peter says, I didn't do anything to that man. Jesus, Jesus did it. Repent. Turn back to God. He'll wipe away your sins. Put your faith in Jesus. Now, not everybody liked that story. Not everybody liked that story. There were some religious Jewish, Jewish elites at the time that thought that when they put Jesus on the cross and killed him, that that was going to end this chapter of Jewish history. It didn't. It didn't. They put Peter and John in jail overnight, and the next morning they pull him up in front of the, the rulers and the high priest, and they ask him this question, by what power did you heal that man yesterday? And I love the way the Bible puts this. I love the way that Luke writes this in Acts. He says that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, I love that. He says, I was just kind to that lame man. I was kind to him. And then he says, and I did it by the power of Jesus. He's the only name that can save. And guess what? It was true then. It's true 2,000 years later. And all of that leads me to the verse that I want to share with you and I want to focus in on with you this morning. It is Acts chapter 4, verse 13. All right, it's going to be up here on the screen. Let's read it together. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I think that is a really, really powerful, powerful verse. Check this out. Jesus picked everyday Joes. He didn't pick know-it-alls. He didn't pick the smartest. He just picked ordinary guys like us, But he picked people that had an ounce of courage, a bit of courage as well. I'm telling you right now, you want to live out your faith. It will not always be convenient, it will not always be easy. You will need to have some courage. But fear not. You don't have to have a professional education. You don't have to go to CCU or some seminary to be able to say, you know what, I can play my role. You don't have to do that. You're just valuable. You're valuable in the eyes of God. He sees your talent. He knows what you're capable of. Ordinary little you. And when I say ordinary, I mean so uniquely ordinary that your scent is perfect in the eyes of God. You are perfectly positioned. You have the ability to do these things that I'm telling you you have. You just got to believe in yourself and trust Jesus to do it. But listen to how that verse ends. Check out how the verse ends. Astonished, these people said, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let me just ask you a question. What if we went into every scenario and circumstance of our lives and all the situations, and we lived in such a way, we talked in such a way, we treated people in such a way that when they were done with that interaction, they said, I can tell that that person has been with Jesus. That is powerful. It is so powerful. It is so awesome, and it is not something complicated. You and I can do it. We don't have to be special. We don't have to be all cleaned up. All we have to do is acknowledge who Jesus is, put our faith in him, and let his power work through us. You see? All of us go through this cycle. We work and we do stuff and then we sleep and then we work and then we read and then we sleep and then we work and go to soccer and then sleep and then we work and go to basketball and then sleep and then we work and stuff and sleep. And it just keeps on going and just keeps on going. Can I just submit to you guys that I think that the work and the stuff time is perfect. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to be just like Peter. Just like Peter. Some of you are wondering why well, I can't heal anybody. I don't have that. Well, guess what? You're a manager. You're a CEO. You're a waitress. You're a teacher. You're a student. God wants to use you right there. Well, when you say, "Well, what's my gift? What's my it?" And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what your it is. I don't know what your gift is, but it's yours. You'll know it when you're doing it. You want more of it. Like I love breathing when I'm out of breath. I want more of it. You know, when you, Michael Jordan could shoot a basketball, he, that was kind of, that might have been his it. Didn't? wasn't baseball. was not baseball, okay? <laughs> but some of you guys are wondering, like, what is my it? And I'm just telling you, your it is perfectly yours. It is finely tuned to you and your surroundings, and you have it. You have it. But many of us are waiting for other people to show Jesus to the masses. And yet Peter Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm talking to anybody here, right? And these words are only for you if you have said, like, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I surrender to your your grace. I, I, I can't live with, I need you. I love you. Thank you for what you've done for me. You reign in my life. That spirit lives in you. The moment that you put your faith in him, you were supernaturally infused with the Spirit of God. Just because you haven't used it lately doesn't mean that it has gone away. It's in there. It's in there. You are the light of the world. You are are the salt of the world. You and your saltiness are so crucial to the advancement of God's kingdom, you don't even realize it. And I'm about to say something that some of you are going to get mad at. That spirit living inside of you. If you let it lay dormant and you never use it, you're selfish. You're selfish. Because you hold the hope of eternity. You hold the keys to peace in this life. Don't waste your gift. It is too valuable. It is too new, unique to you. Don't Waste it because somebody that God put in your life is counting on you. It's counting on you. I digress. We're on a little tangent there. There's a hurting world out there. And we sit in here and we say that we've that we care about that hurting world. But the problem is, is that we're all in here. There's 168 hours in a week. 58 of them on average we will spend sleeping. Some of us one hour. Some of us two hours, a few of us three hours. We'll spend them in here. It seems to me that there's a tremendous opportunity and challenge for people that would say, I will accept the role and title of missionary for Jesus because out there is what we're asked to go after. It's only a matter of activating ourselves to find that one lost sheep. Jesus left the comfort of, and the 99 to go find one more. Sitting in here, if we're not careful, we will get comfortable and we will be all about the 99 of us making sure that we are happy and comfortable and next week happens again. But out there, there's one person that needs you. Out there, there's one person that needs Jesus. Out there, there's one person whose life needs to change because you are in their life. Out there. You are called to imitate Christ. Leave it here. Go find one more. What if your life's purpose was to find just one? Just one. I'm going to give you a strategy. We're going to call it the PPFCT. I just made that up right now, but it actually is the letters. All right, here we go. First thing we're going to do is we're going to pray for people. Second thing we're going to do, we are going to be peaceful to people. The third thing we're going to do is we're going to fellowship with them. We're going to spend time with them. The fourth thing we're going to do is we're going to care for them. And the last thing we're going to do is we're going to tell them something. All right? We're going to walk through this simple approach. These, these, these steps are interconnected, all right? And they're taken from Jesus' words in Luke chapter 10. All right? So this is not, I don't get to claim this battle strategy. This is Jesus telling us what to do. Taken out of Luke again. Luke is the same author that wrote the book of Acts. All right, he's got you know he's got two in there. All right, there's a mission that we can accept. All right, it's real simple. Okay, here we go. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse one. It's on the same. After this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them two by two ahead of Him into every town and place where He was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field Now this hit me this hit me when I was driving in this morning and I think it started last night when I was thinking about talking to y'all and one chapter earlier in this in this in, in, in this book, okay, in chapter 9, Jesus sent out his, um, his 12 disciples, and he gave them the power and the authority to drive out demons and cure diseases, okay, that's what the Bible says. Now, I just, it, this part is what hit me, like, in one chapter later, he sends out 72, and chronologically speaking, I don't know. Like, was that like one week later? Was that a month? I don't. That part I'm not sure of. But suffice to say that like two thousand years later, the six times exponential growth means that like we should be doing something. We should be seeing something that seems like we aren't seeing. I I remember reading this verse. It's verse 2. We're going to put just this verse 2 up here, right? the harvest field is plenty. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the fields. And I'm just like, no. there was a time where like, I, I thought to myself, like, I, I, this is very much me. I'm a selfish person, alright? And, and, and so when I, I, I internalize these things, and I'm like, I have a harvest field. I've got to get to work on my harvest field. There's people in my life that I need to be thinking about. I need to be Jesus to them. Richie needs to do this thing. And I, and, and I believe that that is true. Every single one of you have a harvest field as do I but the funny thing is, is that's not what Jesus' request was I think we're supposed to put it in the context to realize that we do have a harvest field but his request was what his request was that we actually pray for more people in more fields because there's not enough Rick's not enough Kevin's not enough Nathan's not enough to go out into every field that is out there There's just not enough. And this leads me to the critical point that I'm getting at. We spend so much of our time thinking about how we're going to approach this spiritual conversation instead of just doing the simple thing first. Let's just prepare the way by praying. Let's just pray for these people. Think about it. It's just a good strategy to think I'm going to talk to God about my neighbor, my colleague, my coworker, my, 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 my students, my classmates rather than talk to them about God first. Simply put, and I screwed this up in the first hour, so I'm going to make sure I read it direct this time. Talk to God about them before you talk to them about God. In a rush to get somebody into the waters of baptism, sometimes we hit them with the Bible instead of preparing our hearts for how that conversation needs to take place. It's actually a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. The first thing we need to do is we need to pray, and when you pray, there will be a conversation that happens with you and God, and you'll hear something. You might hear something like this: "Hey, um, after the game, the last couple weeks, there's been you know you and him have been standing there near the concession stand, and it's a, it just seems like an interesting time to ask him like, how's, how, how things going?' Like you know, or, or you know what you you might hear you might hear God say like you know." Um, you need to ask about her daughter. Some, ask about her family. You see, what you might just hear is God whisper something into your heart and convict your conscience and say, That's, that's my approach. That's my approach. So, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray. Second thing we're going to do is Luke chapter 10, verse 5. When you enter a house, first say, Peace. To this house. Now, some of you are like, I'm a peaceful person. I've never heard a soul in my life, you know. Fine, but you know what? This world is at war with itself. Every single day, you turn on the TV and get all the proof you need that people are fighting about everything. The pain and the strife of humanity is on display for all to see. The world is at war and the war is real. And somewhere in the middle, Somewhere in the middle, there oftentimes is a a, a well-intentioned Christian that is saying, I've got the way. You know, I, I, I can tell you what you guys all got going wrong. And whether it is true or not, hear me loud and clear, whether it is true or not, many people that are far from God feel like Christians are also at war with them. Jesus had compassion He wanted more than anything else, he wanted people to know that his his role, the reason why he left heaven to come down and be with them is that he wanted them back into a loving relationship with their creator. That's, that's the news. That's the news. And again, the interconnective nature of first praying for someone and then bringing peace to them, okay, is that when you pray, about that person, when you pray about that business, when you pray, you're, you're naturally going to be inclined to just be more peaceful when you get there. When you show up, your heart is prepared because you have set the stage. And when you do, this is when you might hear things like this. You're always in such a good mood. Like, why are you, are always in such a good mood. Like, you're just a positive attitude. You know, I feel so much better after having talked to you. You know why? Because you're an ambassador of peace And they're experiencing the same thing that I've already shared with you, that the world is at war and people want peace. Verse 8 goes on to say that when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. We've prayed for these people. We have been peaceful in our presence to them. It's now time to spend some time with them. It's fellowshipping with them. Time matters in relationships. Rapport matters these things are not instantly built. They take time. Too much, too fast, bad recipe. It will not go well if while your friend that you've been praying for and you've been peaceful to is preparing a meal for you, you sneak upstairs, turn the bathtub on, clog it up, make sure the water temperature is right, come back downstairs and tell them, after dinner I'd like to baptize you. It's probably not going to go as planned. It's just not. Relationships matter. It's going to take a little bit of time. What am I doing? This is when you might hear, stop laughing. This is when you might hear something like this, because now you've spent time with them. You might hear somebody say, thank you for your time. Thank you for the time. Um, you might hear someone say, it's been a very, very long time since I've told anybody that story. And then if you're really fortunate, you might hear them say, I've never told anybody this. It's because you've decided to spend time with them. You have spent time with them. You've cared for them. You know, the funny thing is, is that after we do that, we're close. We're not there. Now we need to care for them. Luke chapter 10, verse 9, at the first part of that says, Heal the sick who are there. Heal the sick who are there. We've prayed for them. We've been peaceful to them. We've spent time fellowshipping with them. We've been with them. Now, let's, let's care for them. Peter healed the crippled man. Lots of witnesses to, to say that that happened. Plenty of opportunities to say it didn't happen. Something happened on that street. Let me first say, with 100% conviction, I believe that the Holy Spirit working God's will through a human being can heal, physically heal somebody. But I also recognize that some of us are going to say, I've not done that in my life. I don't know that that's what my gift is. I don't don't know how I would be able to do that. And I think in doing so, sometimes we take this out of the context. What did Peter say when the, the man didn't ask to walk? The man asked for money. Think about that. He asked for money, and what did Peter say? I'll give you what I got, but I don't have what you want. And you know what? Give them what you have. Give them what you have. You see, I think when Jesus says, heal the sick, I think he's asking us to love a hurting world. I think he is saying, you know what? I may be, Jesus may be the great physician, but you know what? There are physically well people out there that are dying right now a spiritual death. Will you care for them? We need to get past the physical realm of this healing and think to ourselves that there is an opportunity for us to care, just to care. And it may look entirely different than what you thought. It might mean bringing a meal or getting your lawnmower and cutting their grass. It might mean taking them to an interview. It might mean that you're going to pay for their kids' school supplies. It might mean you're going to help them find their cat or dog. If it matters to them, and we show them that what matters to them matters to us, guess what? This is where it all comes together, you see? Because their felt needs, what matters to them, we now are stepping into that. And this is where the powerful part begins to happen. You see, this is where they now say, you know what, you have no idea how helpful that was. You, you, You can't... You can't do this for me. I'll never be able to repay you. That's what you're going to hear. Things like that, because we have prayed for them. We've been peaceful to them. We have fellowshiped and spent time with them. We've now cared about them. And this is where the magic happens. This is where the supernatural just comes in. This is where you might hear something different. You have been so kind to me. Why? Why would you do that for me? I, I've never done anything for you. I, I've not, I've I've not done that. Why? 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 Second part of verse nine says, "Tell them. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near." You don't have to have the perfect words to tell your co coworkers and colleagues. Your students, your classmates, you just need to be obedient to Jesus' movement in your life. Then and only then will the missionary appear. That's when your faith story comes alive. That's when they see Jesus for who he is. Telling them last about Jesus is his strategy, it's not mine. Jesus is never last, but proclaiming his name may need to be in order for us to pave the road to his throne, to his kingship, so that they can see that. That's not my opinion. Those are his words. Read it in Luke chapter 10. Pray. Peace. Fellowship. Care. Tell. P-P-F-C-T. Let's go back several minutes when I told you about Peter and John back there in chapter 4. They were just ordinary and unschooled folks. Just an ordinary guy. Didn't have to go to seminary to, to be authorized. He was permissioned by Jesus himself. And guess what? So are you. Jesus has given you the permission to go be you. Deliver him to them. That's what you've been given the permission to do. The the next words that come out of my mouth, I hope they rock you to your core. I hope they convict you to the point where you feel like you've got to do something different when you wake up tomorrow. Listen to me. Out there, there are hurting people. There are sick people. They're looking for something or someone to fix it. And if we don't do our job, they're going to think that money and title and status is going to make it all better. And it won't. That's a Band-Aid that is only one rip away from another pain. They're hurting, they're sick, and they need you. You are the vessel that God sent them. You are the colleague that is unschooled. You are the absolutely ordinary neighbor from across the street. You are chosen. The only question is whether or not you will say, I will be the missionary for Jesus. That's on you. I'd like you guys to pull out your programs. And as you pull that out, I'd also like to let the the folks that will be serving communion, you know, you guys can uh, go prepare that for us. But the rest of us are going to read this piece in here. There's there's an opportunity for you to read through this. I'm going to read it out loud. Okay? And I want, before I read it out loud, I want you, I don't, do not sign this certificate. Do not sign it unless you mean it. The cost of discipleship is heavy. Most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your entire life. But do not sign this. Do not sign this until you've really thought about it. If you're ready to sign it now, man, I... I can't wait to give you a hug. But if you're not ready to sign it, then go home and pray over it. Think about it. Decide whether or not you signing this is something you want to do. This certificate certifies that your name is a fully competent and commissioned marketplace missionary. I have been called by God to represent him while at work in my neighborhood, with my family and friends, and everywhere I am. It is my highest privilege to faithfully share the good news that Jesus loves each one of us and gave his life to prove it. I do this best by sharing my story of God's love in my life, extending grace and forgiveness, giving compassion to those in need and living a life in such a way that even without using words, others can tell that I am empowered by my heavenly Father. I think oftentimes we sit around and wait for a church to tell us that we can do something. I'm telling you right now, you have purpose in your life, you have purpose that has been put on your heart you have people in your life that need your purpose they need your gifts you are authorized and permissioned by the king of kings to go live your life for him draw people closer to him through the way you live your life and if you want that then sign this card There's no more excuses for the people in this room. Your mission field now awaits you. The harvest field is great. And I've been praying for you. And you. And you. I've been praying for the people in this room that would hear this message. That they would say, I too have a harvest field. I too will tend my crop. And I'm going to start praying for more people. Because even the people in this room isn't enough. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it doesn't just make me feel better because I don't have a degree from a seminary. It makes me feel better because the verse ends with them saying, those dudes were with Jesus. Can I just tell you something? I'm here today to tell you right here in front of all of you. I have a love affair with Jesus Christ. He is the king of my life. His rule, his supremacy is I'm underneath it. I need his love, I need his forgiveness. I don't deserve it, but he's giving it to me. And because of that, I will be a stubborn and reluctant servant of his. That, that, that is unfortunately my, you know, my, my, the way I am. But guess what? It would be the honor of my life. It would be the absolute honor of my life that if somebody, after interacting with me, would say, I think that dude has been with Jesus. I think the Spirit of God lives inside of him. That would be the honor of my life, that Richie Jackson's name would be able to be associated as having been near Christ. That he would not be far from me. Bringing this full circle. I'm, I started my comments by saying that Melissa and I used to sit right back there where uh, Karen and Greg are at. And um, you know the thing is is that I, I really was. I was incredibly happy and comfortable just to come in here and get filled up. Invisibly walk out. Get what I needed from this place. And then Leave. And I am so thankful that God didn't leave me in that comfortable spot because he showed me the power of his invisible working in my visible life, his Holy Spirit working in my life. I was fooling myself then. Just as clearly as you see me here today, people saw me there. I see every one of you. And you know what? Your harvest field sees you walk into the rooms of your life. They see you just like you see me. There's none of us here invisible today. The question is whether or not you will say, I want his invisible power to shine bright in my life. When you go back to work on Tuesday, will you shine bright for Jesus? Will you say, I too am a missionary for Jesus? Before I close us in prayer, I just want to speak now to some folks that may be here today and say, you know what, that guy thinks he's been close to Christ. I don't know if I know Christ at all. Can I just, I, I want to speak just to you right now. I hope that the rest of you have had a conviction on your heart that, that, that will challenge you in ways you've not been challenged before. But if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus in your life, if it, it, I don't know how you got here today. I'm just thankful that you are here. I am thankful you are here for this message I don't know your story, we don't know your story I don't know if you've been scarred by this church another church, I don't know if you feel like you've got to get your life all together before you give your life to Jesus, I don't know how you got here, I'm just glad you're here there's never been a better time than right now for you to say I want Jesus to be known as being near to me too there's something about this Jesus guy that I want in my life, now's the time, you can make that decision today, the path to peace has a name and his name is Jesus Christ and he's here are in this room. He's present, and he wants you. He wants you now. Don't wait. Never been a better time than to say yes to Jesus than right this moment. And I thank you for giving us the opportunity to be with you today. I hope that when you leave here today, I hope that when you leave here today, that you would say, I was surrounded by a room full of people that, by the way they treated me, by the way they loved me, by the way that they spread their love and music over me, that these people are so close to Jesus. When you leave here today, I hope you know how deeply you are loved by a God that showed his love by sacrificing himself for you. And I actually want to hug you if you're ready to say yes to that. Come see me afterwards. Right now, let's just pray. Father in heaven, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for the people that are here today. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work inside of them. I pray, Lord, that where you have been dormant, you will just begin to find new life. I pray, Lord, that where there are walls, you will make doors. I pray that where there are mountains, you will make tunnels. I pray right now, Lord, that wherever we go, we would bring you with us. And I pray this, Lord, because that's what you asked us to do, and it is Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.